section one of the fortunes of nigel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott introduction but why should lordlings all our praise engross rise honest man and sing the man of ross pope having in the tale of the heart of midlothian succeeded in some degree in awakening an interest on behalf of one devoid of those accomplishments which belong to a heroine almost by right i was next tempted to choose a hero upon the same unpromising plan and as worth of character goodness of heart and rectitude of principle were necessary to one who laid no claim to high birth romantic sensibility or any of the usual accomplishments of those who strut through the pages of this sort of composition i made free with the name of a person who has left the most magnificent proofs of his benevolence and charity that the capital of scotland has to display to the scottish reader little more need be said than that the man alluded to is george harriet but for those south of the tweed it may be necessary to add that the person so named was a wealthy citizen of edinburgh and the king's goldsmith who followed james to the english capital and was so successful in his profession as to die in sixteen twenty four extremely wealthy for that period he had no children and after making a full provision for such relations as might have claims upon him he left the residue of his fortune to establish an hospital in which the sons of edinburgh freemen are gratuitously brought up and educated for the station to which their talents may recommend them and are finally enabled to enter life under respectable auspices the hospital in which this charity is maintained is a noble quadrangle of the gothic order and as ornamental to the city as a building as the manner in which the youths are provided for and educated renders it useful to the community as an institution to the honour of those who have the management the magistrates and clergy of edinburgh the funds of the hospital have increased so much under their care that it now supports and educates one hundred and thirty youths annually many of whom have done honour to their country in different situations the founder of such a charity as this may be reasonably supposed to have walked through life with a steady pace and an observant eye neglecting no opportunity of assisting those who were not possessed of the experience necessary for their own guidance in supposing his efforts directed to the benefit of a young nobleman misguided by the aristocratic haughtiness of his own time and the prevailing tone of selfish luxury which seems more peculiar to ours as well as the seductions of pleasure which are predominant in all some amusement or even some advantage might i thought be derived from the manner in which i might bring the exertions of this civic mentor to bear in his pupil's behalf i am i own no great believer in the moral utility to be derived from fictitious compositions yet if any case a word spoken in season may be of advantage to a young person it must surely be when it calls upon him to attend to the voice of principle and self-denial instead of that of precipitate passion i could not indeed hope or expect to represent my prudent and benevolent citizen in a point of view so interesting as that of the peasant girl 
who nobly sacrificed her family affections to the integrity of her moral character still however something i hoped might be done not altogether unworthy the fame which george harriet has secured by the lasting benefits he has bestowed on his country it appeared likely that out of this simple plot i might weave something attractive because the reign of james i in which george harriet flourished gave unbounded scope to invention in the fable while at the same time it afforded greater variety and discrimination of character than could with historical consistency have been introduced if the scene had been laid a century earlier lady mary wortley montague has said with equal truth and taste that the most romantic region of every country is that where the mountains unite themselves with the plains or lowlands for similar reasons it may be in like manner said that the most picturesque period of history is that when the ancient rough and wild manners of a barbarous age are just becoming innovated upon and contrasted by the illumination of increased or revived learning and the instructions of renewed or reformed religion the strong contrast produced by the opposition of ancient manners to those which are gradually subduing them affords the lights and shadows necessary to give effect to a fictitious narrative and while such a period entitles the author to introduce incidents of a marvellous and improbable character as arising out of the turbulent independence and ferocity belonging to old habits of violence still influencing the manners of a people who had been so lately in a barbarous state yet on the other hand the characters and sentiments of many of the actors may with the utmost probability be described with great variety of shading and delineation which belongs to the newer and more improved period of which the world has but lately received the light the reign of james i of england possessed this advantage in a peculiar degree some beams of chivalry although its planet had been for some time set continued to animate and gild the horizon and although probably no one acted precisely on its quixotic dictates men and women still talked the chivalrous language of sir philip sidney's arcadia and the ceremonial of the tilt-yard was yet exhibited though it now only flourished as a place de carousel here and there a high-spirited knight of the bath witnessed the too scrupulous lord herbert of cherbury was found devoted enough to the vows he had taken to imagine himself obliged to compel by the sword's point a fellow knight or squire to restore the top knot of ribbon which he had stolen from a fair damsel but yet while men were taking each other's lives on such punctilios of honour the hour was already arrived when bacon was about to teach the world that they were no longer to reason from authority to fact but to establish truth by advancing from fact to fact till they fixed an indisputable authority not from hypothesis but from experiment the state of society in the reign of james i was also strangely disturbed and the license of a part of the community was perpetually giving rise to acts of blood and violence the bravo of the queen's day of whom shakespeare has given us so many varieties as bardolph nym pistol pito and the other companions of falstaff men who had their humours or their particular turn of extravaganza had since the commencement of the low country wars given way to a race of sworders who used the rapier and dagger instead of the far less dangerous sword and buckler so that a historian says on this subject that private quarrels were nourished but especially between the scots and english and duels in every street maintained diverse sects and peculiar titles passed unpunished and unregarded as the sect of the roaring boys bravadoes corteros and such like being persons prodigal and of great expense who having run themselves into debt were constrained to run next into factions to defend themselves from danger of the law 
these received countenance from divers of the nobility and the citizens through lasciviousness consuming their estates it was like that the number of these desperados would rather increase than diminish and under these pretences they entered into many desperate enterprises and scarce any durst walk in the street after nine at night the same authority assures us farther that ancient gentlemen who had left their inheritance whole and well furnished with goods and chattels having thereupon kept good houses unto their sons lived to see part consumed in riot and excess and the rest in possibility to be utterly lost the holy state of matrimony made but a may-game by which divers families have been subverted brothel houses much frequented and even great persons prostituting their bodies to the intent to satisfy their lusts consume their substance and lascivious appetites and of all sorts such knights and gentlemen as either through pride or prodigality had consumed their substance repairing to the city and to the intent to consume their virtue also lived dissolute lives many of their ladies and daughters to the intent to maintain themselves according to their dignity prostituting their bodies in shameful manner alehouses dicing houses taverns and places of iniquity beyond manner abounding in most places nor is it only in the pages of a puritanical perhaps a satirical writer that we find so shocking and disgusting a picture of the coarseness of the beginning of the seventeenth century on the contrary in all the comedies of the age the principal character for gaiety and wit is a young heir who has totally altered the establishment of the father to whom he has succeeded and to use the old simile who resembles a fountain which plays off in idleness and extravagance the wealth which its careful parents painfully had assembled in hidden reservoirs and yet while that spirit of general extravagance seemed to work over a whole kingdom another and very different sort of men were gradually forming the state and resolve characters which afterwards displayed themselves during the civil wars and powerfully regulated and affected the character of the whole english nation until rushing from one extreme to another they sunk in a gloomy fanaticism the splendid traces of the reviving fine arts from the quotations which i have produced the selfish and disgusting conduct of lord del carno will not perhaps appear overstrained nor will the scenes in white friars and places of similar resort seem too highly coloured this indeed is far from being the case it was in james the first reign that vice first appeared affecting the better classes in its gross and undisguised depravity the entertainments and amusements of elizabeth time had an air of that decent restraint which became the court of a maiden sovereign and in that pe earlier period the use of the words of burke vice lost half its evil by being deprived of all its grossness in james's reign on the contrary the coarsest pleasures were publicly and unlimitedly indulged since according to sir john harrington the men wallowed in beastly delights and even ladies abandoned their delicacy and rolled about in intoxication after a ludicrous account of a mask in which the actors had got drunk and behaved themselves accordingly he adds i have much marvelled at these strange pageantries and they do bring to my recollection what passed of this sort in our queen's days in which i was sometimes an assistant and partaker but never did i see such lack of good order and sobriety as i have now done the gunpowder fright has got out of all our heads and we are going on hereabout as if the devil was contriving every man should blow up himself by wild riot excess and devastation of time and temperance the great ladies do go well masked and indeed it be the only show of their modesty to conceal their countenance but alack they meet with such countenance to uphold their strange doings that i marvel not at aught that happens for the gross debauchery of the period too much encouraged by the example of the monarch who was in other respects neither without talent 
nor a good-natured disposition see winward's memorials howells's letters and other memorials of the time but particularly consult the private letters and correspondence of steenie alias buckingham with his reverend dad and gossip king james which abound with the grossest as well as the most childish language the learned mr disraeli in an attempt to vindicate the character of james has only succeeded in obtaining for himself the character of a skilful and ingenious advocate without much advantage to his royal client such being the state of the court coarse sensuality brought along with it its ordinary companion a brutal degree of undisguised selfishness destructive alike of philanthropy and good breeding both of which in their several spheres depend upon the regard paid by each individual to the interest as well as the feelings of others it is in such a time that the heartless and shameless man of wealth and power may like the supposed lord dalgarno brazen out the shame of his villainies and affect to triumph in their consequences so long as they were personally advantageous to his own pleasures or profit alsatia is elsewhere explained as a camp named for white friars which possessing certain privileges of sanctuary became for that reason a nest of those mischievous characters who were generally obnoxious to the law these privileges were derived from its having been an establishment of the carmelites or white friars founded says stowe in his survey of london by sir patrick gray in twelve forty one edward i gave them a plot of ground in fleet street to build their church upon the edifice then erected was rebuilt by courtney earl of devonshire in the reign of edward in the time of the reformation the place retained its immunities as a sanctuary and james i confirmed and added to them by a charter in sixteen o eight shadwell was the first author who made some literary use of whitefriars in his play of the squire of alsatia which turns upon the plot of the adelphi of terence in this old play two men of fortune brothers educate two young men sons to the one and nephews to the other each under his own separate system of rigour and indulgence the elder of the subjects of this experiment who has been very rigidly brought up falls at once into all the vices of the town is debauched by the cheats and bullies of whitefriars and in a word becomes the squire of alsatia the poet gives as the natural and congenial inhabitants of the place such characters as the reader will find in the note cheatly a rascal who by reason of debts dares not stir out of whitefriars but there inveigles young heirs of entail and helps them to goods and money upon great disadvantages is bound for them and shares with them till he undoes them a lewd impudent debauched fellow very expert in the cant about town shamwell cousin to the belfords who being ruined by cheatley is made a decoy duck for others not daring to stir out of alsatia where he lives is bound with cheatley for heirs and lives upon them a dissolute debauched life captain hackham a block-headed bully of alsatia a cowardly impudent blustering fellow formerly a sergeant in flanders who has run from his colours and retreated into white friars for a very small debt whereby the alsatians he is dubbed a captain marries one that lets lodgings sells cherry brandy and is abroad scrape all a hypocritical repeating praying psalm singing precise fellow pretending to great piety a godly knave who joins with cheatley and supplies young heirs with goods and money the play as we learn from the dedication of the earl of dorset and middlesex was successful above the author's expectations no comedy these many years having filled the theatre so long together and i had the great honour continues shadwell to find so many friends that the house was never so full since it was built as upon the third day of this play and vast numbers went away that could not be admitted from the squire of alsatia the author derived some few hints and learned the footing on which the bullies and thieves of the sanctuary stood with their neighbours the fiery young students of the temple of which some intimation is given in the dramatic piece 
such are the materials to which the author stands indebted for the composition of the fortunes of nigel a novel which may be perhaps one of those that are more amusing on a second perusal than when read a first time for the sake of the story the incidents of which are few and meagre the introductory epistle is written in lucio's phrase according to the trick and would never have appeared had the writer meditated making his avowal of the work as it is the privilege of a mass for incognito to speak in a feigned voice and assumed character the author attempted while in disguise some liberties of the same sort and while he continues to plead upon the various excuses which the introduction contains the present acknowledgment must serve as an apology for a species of hoity-toity whisky-frisky pertness of manner which in his avowed character the author should have considered as a departure from the rules of civility and good taste abbotsford first july eighteen thirty one end of introduction